Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Call free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson. We're at the Marion County Courthouse right in front of the historic courthouse in downtown Columbia, all part of our kickoff of the Christmas season here in Columbia. Great festival about to take place starting Saturday. There's going to have ice skating downtown, light shows, synchronized Christmas music. The Clydesdale uh, Budweiser horses are going to be here for the Christmas parade. It's just going to be a wonderful occasion. It kicks off at 6 o'clock Saturday evening and runs through the remainder of the Christmas season. And we're certainly, guys, uh, happy to be down here. What a beautiful day, Luke Johnson, in downtown Columbia. It is absolutely beautiful. Columbia is one of those towns. you got a, you got the historic downtown. We're here on the town square. Historic Marion County Courthouse at our back. The old Marion Theater. Used to watch some of those uh, movies there in college. But, you know, you think about this town, man. Walter Payton, yeah. greatest running back in NFL history. Here he is right here. Yeah, picked up lunch for uh, the guys that uh, with the JT crew and uh, at one of the local restaurants is a picture of the Walter Payton statue. Big, big yeah. picture in the, in the uh, dining room. So, yeah, very historic. Anytime you come here, the greatest football player arguably to ever play. Uh, born and raised right here in Columbia. Also want to thank Lori Watts with the uh, Marion County Development Partnership. She's the president of the partnership, and uh, we really are grateful for her having us here. This is our third visit here this year. We were here for the 4th of July celebration for the uh, Vietnam moving uh, wall and back here for Christmas. So we're just really happy uh, to be in Columbia, and we appreciate the uh, development partnership for inviting the Eagle Hour, the JT Show, and the Rebecca Turner Show here. All right, Patrick McGee is uh, on the slate today. We're going to be talking to Patrick in the second segment, where is Southern Miss going in the bowl season? But first, let's talk a little basketball, Luke. Uh, Golden Eagles last night entertaining both the Tulane uh, women and men's team and didn't turn out well. Now, the men fought back. They, they lost 61-56. Uh, uh, you're only down three with 16 seconds to go, and then free throws happen. But they, they fought back, and we keep saying that. Um, but I, I, I want to keep. I want Golden Eagle fans to keep that in mind. This is a young team. This is a. You, although you have players on the court, and Kelly, you can speak to this. You got players on the court that may be juniors and seniors, but they haven't played together. And you got a new point guard, Ladavius Drain's a, a new starter. Uh, the kid from uh, Estonia, I can't ever pronounce his last. Kanatsuk. He he's been he's been good. He's been efficient. Um, Tyler Stevenson has been a name that's really jumped out at you. They dropped by five last night. How last year you you get some momentum, you hit conference play. Um, this year you can't get momentum because you're playing crazy good teams. Tulane seven and one on the year. They're not young age wise, but they're young experience wise. I think I think that the, to your point. In football, look at what Rice did. You know how Rice just did not look good at all. You know the first five or six games, and then they kept 
getting a little closer, tightening, you know, tightening up the scores. And then they won the the last three games of the year when it finally all started to sink in and click. So your point about experience and, and the chemistry and buying together is certainly valid. And I think I expect to see that with this Southern Miss team. Um, you know, it, it was a home game, but a, as you mentioned, Tulane was seven and one. I, I think the spread was was three. So um, I mean, and, and anything that you can ever expect as a fan of any team is you just want your team to compete. Yeah. You know, you want them to go out there and play hard. You want them to leave it all on the court. And I, regardless of the record, I don't think anybody can argue that Jay's guys aren't playing hard. And you know? one of the things I noticed last night, it seems like he's still trying to find the right mix. You had eight guys that played more than 10 minutes. You had six guys that played more than 20 minutes. Um, the lacking part of this team right now, he got it back last week a little bit, but but Ladavius Drain went 0 for 8, 0 for 5 last night behind the three-point arch. I feel like in a few weeks that – that uh, his shot is going to come around, and the Eagles are going to be scoring ten to fifteen points more. But that's kind of what sticks out to you because you're better down low. You you lose some some at your guard position, but Watson has really stepped up and you know done pretty well. His line last night, um, nine points, two rebounds. Um, he he's been passing the ball pretty well, but it, you you feel like. The inexperience, the gel is still coming together. Maybe that's causing some of the uh, the lower production numbers. And, and we really haven't gotten to talk a lot about how they played in the Bahamas. I mean, you know, you look an outsider looking in would say, oh, they got beat by 25 points, 24 points, whatever. But remember, those were some of the top teams in the country. And there are a lot of people that didn't think the Eagles would get within 40, you know, yeah. of some of those teams realistically. So, again, I've been impressed with the way what I'm looking, I always just look for effort. I want to, you know, see that they're ready to play, that they're playing hard. Um, and so far, and it is early in the year, uh, we'll see as the season goes on, but I would not expect anything other than for them to continue to play hard and get better as, as the year goes on and, and get that momentum headed to, to next year. Even. They the comeback last night. So so they fell behind, but at the same time, you you got a, a, the late run is positive. This is an interesting statistic last night. 77% of the points, 43 of the 56 points, came from freshmen and sophomore. Angel Smith, who's the big recruit out of Florida, top 20 recruit, um, he uh, he was off the bench, eight points, two rebounds. That's another interesting statistic. Southern missed 21 points off the bench last night. So you may not see it translate into victories early on, but this is going to be one of the most deep teams because just the experience. You're having to throw people out there. And it's the not a sprint. Goes. It's not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's a long year to go. But, you know, Bob had talked about yesterday, and I think it, I think it should be noted today after the fact, that Eagle fans last night got that rare opportunity to see the women and men's doubleheader. You know, the NAIA schools do that a lot, where the women will play first and the men get. To, so you can, you know, you got to see them both play. Uh, the university had some specials for the students to come, and you saw some pictures from. A pretty Re- good crowd. It was a pretty good crowd. And I, I don't know. I, if you could wave a magic wand and do that every time, have the women play first and the men play second, Makes or vice sense. versa, yeah. I would love to see that happen. It'd make a good point, too, Luke. Uh, the Drain kid, he was lethal last year. He was a three-point bomb maker. And uh, when he gets his shot back, that's going to be a huge shot in the arm for this team. He was a kid last year. He didn't show up in the official NCAA statistics because he wasn't a starter. He was like five three-pointers three away from being having like the minimum. And if he would have done that, he was like top five in the nation. So this is a dude last year. He shot like forty-eight percent around behind the arc. That's that's a crazy number, and so you feel like that that's coming. Um, on the women's side, um, 
That was a close one, too. That was a close one, too. 30 to 22 at the half. Lady Eagles are up. And then they only score 28 in the second half. They get outscored 40 to 28 in the second half. Respect Leapart, who um, has has just continued to show how good she is. 16 points, six boards last night. Shante Hills, 11 points. Um, they're six and two, and and you you got to remember that when when you're looking at it. This is a team we've talked about it for really the last two years. It's been leading up to this year. If Shante Hill stays healthy, there is there is we saw it last year with the, the men. There's no substitute for a, 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 a excellent point guard makes or breaks a game. They do. Eagles don't have a big big uh, big man down low last year, but they have an excellent point guard on the men's side. They win games. Shante Hills, her leadership and her um, ability. Her health is probably going to be the most important thing. But, you know, Joy Living Nellis feels good about this squad. Uh, Kelsey Jones um, is a big presence down below, seven seven rebounds last night. They just, over the last few years, we've seen like one quarter get them. And, you know, you get outscored in the fourth quarter, 23-14. to 14. On the men's side, you know, on the men's side, we, we talked about the preseason polls where the Eagles are picked to finish dead last in Conference USA. Now, obviously, we haven't gotten to see other Conference USA teams you know, lay our own eyeballs on those teams as they play. But I, I cannot imagine that this Southern Miss men's team is going to finish dead last. I just, I just don't see it. It's because you have big men this year, and when you have a, when you have a big, when you have a big down low, you don't have to live and die off of forty-five percent from from the floor. Um, men will uh, take on Southern Illinois. The Salukis. The Salukis this coming Saturday. Only you would know that. What is a Saluki anyway? A, a Saluki is a breed of dog very similar to a greyhound. Okay. It's a smaller greyhound. If you want to see human Salukis, <laughs> they will be in the Coliseum against Southern Miss 2 p.m. on Saturday. Women, um, on the other hand, are, are off for about 11 days uh, a week from Sunday, December 15th, take on South Alabama um, at home they're you know, the lady jaguars you know kelly sanders is a very intelligent guy for those of you that don't know and i say that with all honesty but he also has a brain full of the most useless enormous <laughs> amount of useless information of any human being i've ever what's done. the most useless sport <laughs> fact right now that you could throw out oh gosh you, I'll, by the end of the, the show Salukis were pretty close saluki well, well, well you would know what a saluki look, I, is it, it but he's got more impressive than that because I remember their runs about 15 years ago in the NCAA tournament. I remember the Salukis. Mm-hmm. So there's, don't, don't, don't be impressed by that, Bob. There's, there's more there. What about coming. Western Illinois? What's that's Southern Illinois? The Salukis. What is, what is Western Illinois? Tell us, Kelly. The Leathernecks. There we go. Nice. Mm. Still not as good All as right. the dirt bag. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We're in downtown Columbia, getting ready for the Christmas festival here in Columbia. Very excited about being here. Patrick McGee will join us from the Mississippi Gulf Coast when the Eagle Hour comes back. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to a special edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob, Luke, and Kelly. We're in downtown Columbia, right in front of the Marion County Courthouse. We're watching all the activity taking place on Main Street as they're getting ready to kick off their second 
huge Christmas festival. It was a huge success last year, Kelly Sander, as you learned yesterday with me when we were here. And, man, they were working when me and you were here yesterday. It hadn't stopped, has it? And they're actually putting down real ice. On the ice rink. Yeah, there, there there are synthetic surfaces that look like ice but really aren't. You know, for warmer climates, so the people can say that they're quote unquote ice skating. Mm-hmm. But this is—they're actually—it's probably about a hundred yards from here. But we can see the rink, and they've actually put down the first layer. The refrigeration tubes are underneath there, and they've put the first layer of water. And we're told that by the time that finishes, Bob, there'll be three inches of ice on there. Where a legitimate ice skating rink in in downtown Columbia. Well, it's a wonderful thing for you to bring your family to. Uh, and it all kicks off, I think, at five, I said six earlier, but I believe it's at 5 o'clock uh, Saturday evening. It'll kick off with the parade. They're going to have fireworks. They're going to light the Christmas tree. At the top of every hour, they're going to have synchronized lights and music in the entirety of Main Street. I saw a video this morning uh, from Lori of last year. It's phenomenal. And this year, they say, much bigger, much better than what they did Kelly's, last year. Kelly's favorite music group, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Is yes. that what it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. You talk about ice skating, random sports fact. Um, Patrick McGee was a three-time ice skating state champion. I didn't realize that down in Bay St. Louis. Down in Bay St. Louis, Well, we yeah. bring the champ on the show, Patrick. I had no idea you had such <laughs> ice skating skills. I can't even roller skate, so I can't ice skate. So I... You know, I <laughs> Alive. Okay, so there's no chance we're going to see you on the ice skating rink here in Columbia. Is that what I'm hearing, Patrick? No, it's been a while since I've been to Columbia. I didn't know they had such a big festival. I might have to check it out. No, it's really, I think it's uh, going to be really spectacular. Kelly and I have been down here a couple of days, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, they are doing some work, and uh, you can't help but get the Christmas spirit. I'm just glad to be here at the courthouse without a suit and tie. You know? Right, it'll be your <laughs> no. first time in a long time, right? <laughs> And you don't even have your ankle bracelet on. That's right. I'm taking it off for today. All right. It's Thursday. We always go down to the Gulf Coast no matter where we are. And thanks to our crack engineer, Houston, we were able to hook up uh, with our buddy Patrick McGee down on the uh, coast at the Biloxi Sun-Herald. All right, Patrick. A lot of questions for you today. But I guess the first question that all Southern Miss fans and listeners are asking is, where are the Eagles going to go bowling? Well, it's a very... It, it, it's kind of chaotic. Uh, I think with Southern Miss sitting there at 7-5, and five, uh, there's a chance they won't be one of the Conference USA tie-ins. Uh, they may be one of the at-larges. Uh, I know Southern Miss has conditional tie-ins with Boca Raton and the Independence Bowl. Uh, not saying Southern Miss would end up at one of those spots, but they could end up uh, anywhere, really. I mean, I, I think New Mexico is a strong possibility. Uh, the first responder bowl in Dallas uh, also appears uh, probably to be in the hunt. Uh, Frisco possibly, but I, I there's, I mean, heck, even Brett McMurphy uh, in his bowl projections had Southern Miss going to the Belt Bowl and playing Virginia Tech, and, and uh, that would be something. But in my projections this week, if, if you kind of look at it and see what uh, Southern Miss may be playing Tulane in, in the Birmingham Bowl, uh, that, to me that makes some sense. Uh, we'll, we'll, you right. know, that's a game that's not played until January 2nd. But really, it's it's very much anything could happen by the time they announce it on Sunday. That makes a lot of sense to me. That would, uh, I would think most schools could draw some fans over there, and certainly for Southern Miss fans that wanted to attend it, Luke, it would be drivable. It would be doable. It is. I mean, anything within three or four hours you would think it would, would be good for, uh, for Southern Miss. Patrick, you know, we had heard maybe possibly another trip back to 
to Shreveport. No, you, please. Mm-hmm. I, no, Bob didn't want to go there, but they had good food. So um, <laughs> your your hesitation, Southern Miss doesn't play Miami for a few more years. Uh, that might be an intriguing matchup if if it came through uh, to play an ACC opponent and Southern Miss to get a sneak peek at a regular season foe in a few years. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like going back to what they experienced just a couple of years ago with Florida State. And, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of back then, Southern, a lot of Southern Miss fans kind of got excited about that until they looked at the forecast and realized it's going to be you know, like 28 degrees or whatever. And, and they mm, get it there. Cold, it, it, yeah, it was cold. And I thought Southern Miss fans brought a, a decent following, all things considered, the game not long after Christmas. This one's the day after Christmas. Uh, so the Independence Bowl is a game that's really not going to be at the top of the list for a lot of teams in Conference USA just based on. Uh, where it falls in the calendar. Sure, any Conference USA team would like to play an ACC squad in that setting, uh, but the, just the fact that it's the day after Christmas just makes it really tough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a chance Southern Miss ends up there, but if I'm Southern Miss, I'm like, you know, uh, send me you know, send me anywhere but the Shreveport. But Birmingham, on the other hand, January 2nd, you know, is, is mm-hmm. uh, playing at the day after New Year's. I know probably New Year's is better than, than Christmas, um, but any of the same effect there crowd-wise? Do you think they travel pretty good? Yeah, but I, I think that's a, that's a trip that a lot of Southern Miss fans can make the day of, uh, you know, or just go up the night before, and that really wouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, that's that's a day trip. You know, Shreveport, you know, I would say most Southern Miss fans are, you know, located in Hattiesburg and Jackson. For Jackson fans, that's not a bad trip, uh, but for the larger contingent in, in the Forest County and on the coast, that's kind of a – harder trip to make but whenever you consider the trip up to Birmingham is mostly interstate uh once you you know you kind of get on the other side of Meridian or whatever it's it's not a it's not a bad trip so I think the Birmingham game would be a more viable option for Southern Miss to make. Look Johnson I don't ever want to go to Shreveport again on Christmas Day and spend Christmas (laughs) night in a hotel in Shreveport Louisiana I don't want to do it. I had to do it one time the 2002 Houston Bowl. I don't want to do it. We had we were I woke up and Christmas morning, and I'm staring at, you know, uh, another specialist, and you know, the, in my roommate. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm with you, Kelly, yeah. Patrick. I just, you know, you you never dodge tough questions, so I'm going to throw it out there. And we have a lot of mm-hmm. optimistic, you know, Southern Miss fans that listen to this Eagle Hour, so I'm going to ask you a tough one, and you can answer it the way you want to. Can you confirm or deny that the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl are out for the Eagles? <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm almost 95% sure that New Orleans Bowl is out. So, uh, yeah, I, you can, you can count out the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. The Rose. That would be nice. Yeah, it would. The Rose Bowl. Hey, we always viewed the New Orleans Bowl. We had two appearances in. It was a little yeah. Sugar Bowl. There'd man. be lots of things that would be nice. But, I can you know. uh, see us making that pitch to Steve Davenport to send us to the Rose Bowl. That, that, would, that would be a lot of fun. All right, Patrick. So basketball plays last night, and uh, yeah, if you're going to play Tulane, you should have just brought yeah, the football team up yeah. last night and knocked it all out. Lost yeah. both games, but uh, we were talking in the first segment. There are some positive signs with this men's team, right? Yeah, well, I think what the the thing you take away from last night is that uh, you got help out of a couple of freshmen, uh, the Angel Smith uh, kid, who's pretty well regarded out of Florida. Then it's Austin Leslie. You hit a couple of three big three pointers there late to kind of get them back in it. And Tulane's a good team this year. I, I didn't realize how good they were or how well they've been playing this season until you looked at I looked at their schedule a day or so. And they, you know, I mean, heck, they've beaten Utah. They've beat some good teams. So 
Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, there, you know, you want, it's like there are no moral victories or whatever, but I mean, uh, the, you know, Southern Miss didn't play very well last night, and they were in it in the final minute. So that's a good sign. And they also did it without uh, Boban. Uh, he was unavailable. He's got a high ankle sprain, and he's considered day to day going into the Southern Illinois game. So uh, if you can maybe a couple of freshmen like Smith and uh, Leslie to start playing uh, much better and being able to contribute and then you get Boban back healthy, I think you'll see the team doing a uh, – will be able to hang with some better teams here in the coming weeks. But this this stretch is really crucial for them to kind of build some confidence against solid Division One competition, uh, Southern Illinois coming up this Saturday, and then I think it's North Florida after that. So uh, they really need to pick up a win or two uh, uh, against a Division One opponent before conference play starts. Patrick McGee is with us from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Patrick, I want, to, uh, um, I want to go back to football. And so much has been made about the transfer portal now and all this. And yeah. I have a question, and you may not know the answer, but, but people have asked me the question. They said, if a, if a player puts their name out on the transfer portal, are they forfeiting their scholarship at their existing school? Are they essentially saying, I don't want the scholarship anymore and I'm going to go to these other schools? Or if they don't, could the school say, you know what, you don't want to be here? Fine, go to the transfer portal. We're going to pull your scholarship. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer for that. I haven't really delved into as much as some other guys have. But, I mean, I haven't seen a guy enter the transfer portal and come back yet. Uh, Luke may, may have looked into this at some point. But, uh, to me, if you're going into the transfer portal, I, I mean, there's been one or two. I think it was Keaton Thompson. Uh, the Mississippi State quarterback who announced he had transferred. I, he was going to transfer. I don't know if he, in fact, ever enter, entered the portal, but he changed his mind. So I think it, I, th- I think there is that possibility of changing the mind, but I'm not sure you know what all the rules are around that, but uh, very few that have entered the portal have, have come back. Right, speaking of that, Luke, am I right? Marcelo Rodriguez, the quarterback yes. at Southern Miss, is transfer. Yeah, entered entered the transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. But yeah, he's been on the team three years. Just Patrick can can talk a little about that too. Just really hadn't found his way. Um, and so you, you hate to see quarterbacks leave. You yeah. know, you hate to see them, but uh, uh, but it's happening. Can you hang on, Patrick, for another second? Sure. Yeah. Okay, we're in downtown Columbia. Going to continue our conversation with Patrick McGee. Want to remind everybody that tomorrow. The travels never end. We're going to be at First Bank for the grand opening of the new First Bank on Highway 98 West in Hattiesburg. We're very excited about that. Uh, We'll have the perfect 10 down there. And Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is going to be there, Luke. I thought that was you. No, that's not me. I'm the Grinch. Uh, are, Are we in music now? All right. We're in music now. We're in downtown Columbia. We'll be back right after these breaks and continue our conversation with the professor. Patrick McGee at the Biloxi Sun-Herald. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Eagle Hour in downtown Columbia, right on the grounds of the Marion County Courthouse. And we're here, of course, for the Christmas kickoff celebration Uh, The Christmas Festival in Columbia kicks off at 5 o'clock Saturday, runs through the Christmas season. 
Uh, Got to come down on the weekends now. That's when they do the synchronized music at the top of every hour. Really spectacular, really something to see. Of course, the downtown area open during weeknights, and it'll be illuminated and very, very pretty. Uh, but the weekends are the big time when they uh, will have the vendors and the synchronized music and the Christmas carols. About a, what is that, a 50-foot Christmas tree maybe that they're going to light up Saturday night. So uh, we're happy to be a part of that, and uh, we really do appreciate the Marion County Development Partnership having uh, JT, the Eagle Hour, and Rebecca Turner here this afternoon. We're talking to our buddy Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. And, Patrick, we were talking about kids transferring, and we brought up Marcelo Rodriguez, the quarterback out of South Florida. You know, I remember a couple of years back, uh, we actually interviewed him or his father uh, right after he had committed, and that was a pretty... Uh, that was a pretty exciting recruit that uh, at the time everybody thought was coming in. What do you think happens with kids that come out? Are they just not in the right place at the right time? What do you think the story would have been with uh, Marcelo Rodriguez? Well, he uh, you know, he came up to a camp at Southern Miss and threw the ball so well that Jay Hobson just kind of instantly fell in love with him and wanted him and thought he'd be kind of a, a project with tremendous upside. He didn't have much attention at all coming out of the high school. Uh, he had played with some good programs down in the Miami area, and and but if you look at him on film, he did look good. I mean, he's got a good size to him. He's a good athlete and just throws a nice ball. He just didn't throw it a whole lot in high school, so maybe you think you get him in college and you can turn him into something. He just never really turned in anything. I mean, he just uh, if you saw him when he first got here, yeah, he looked good throwing the ball. Uh, but if you just kind of watched him as he went through the the daily grind to practice and, and the challenge. He just wasn't hitting his marks. Uh, his body language just wasn't there. He just, the, the makeup and the, the, you know, just didn't develop along with his kind of natural abilities. Uh, you know, he played against Jackson State briefly last year, and even then you could just tell he was kind of in over his head. I mean, I hate to be uh, down about the kid, but it, it just never worked out for Marcelo. He just never kind of uh, reached his ceiling or maybe that ceiling was never really there and you guys i i just think going forward with all this the travel ball phenomenon or whatever you want to call it that the, there's going to be a lot of kids in the future this this transfer thing is only beginning there's going to be tons and tons of kids yeah. that go on the transfer portal every year because they've been in their parents have been in their ear their whole life about how special they are and how good they are and they should be starting and and um you know, I hate to, hate to be a gloomy Gus, but I just I I don't I think that's going to yeah. be a problem going forward. Patrick, uh, so with Chandler Rogers leaving, you're down mm-hmm. technically to five quarterbacks. L.J. Leonard's a freshman. Uh, Jason Goldstein's a redshirt freshman, but the three that you know make the most attention: Jack Abraham, Tate Watley, Jaden Johnson. Um, Tate Watley's obviously going to be redshirted this year. It's probably why we didn't mm-hmm. see him, you know, as much as as we did. What what do you think heading into the off season? I mean, with uh, Jack was very efficient at times, and down the stretch, I had a, a few tough games. Um, we this staff has been notorious for you know open quarterback battle. Um, do you think it, it's going to be open in the spring? Jack's going to be a redshirt senior. What are your thoughts about the quarterback position? Well, I mean, I think Jay's always kind of approached that. He 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 wants to approach every position as open battle, which he should. But I mean, that's just kind of Jay kind of giving the cliche answer on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they have to open it back up. 
uh, at that game that Jack played at FAU on Saturday, I think was his worst game as a Golden Eagle, and that's not a good sign closing out your second year as the starting quarterback. He he did seem to, you know, I you know at West Kentucky against West Kentucky he didn't play well, but I didn't really blame him as much because he was getting hit and he got some he got pressure against FAU, no doubt, but uh, some of those decisions he made. Uh, we're, we're ill-conceived, and you look back to that interception he threw into the end zone at Louisiana Tech. He just his decision making wasn't always there, and I'm not saying Tate Watley can come in there and just immediately remedy that. But Tate offers a different uh, component in terms of being able to run with the ball. Uh, you know, so and, and Tate I thought made a lot of progress as a passer. He threw some interceptions during fall camp, uh, but he also made some really impressive throws. Uh, so I, I think. Uh, that this bowl season that the staff should take full advantage and try to figure out a way to get Tate Whiteley on the field for the bowl game. And, Patrick, let me ask you this. I, I, it just occurred to me, we haven't talked to you since the Florida Atlantic game, but, um, mm-hmm. boy, i got to tell you, Patrick, I, I heard more grumbling and unhappiness uh, in the past few days than I have heard in some time about Southern Miss football. Is there pressure on Jay Hobson right now, you think? Well, this team was was I thought was built to to win this year. I, I looked at them as a as a eight, you know seven or eight win team, and here we are sitting at seven wins. Uh, but they're just kind of limping down the stretch, and and you can't really point to one thing or another. It's not like they had a tremendous amount of injuries, other than maybe a, a Jordan Mitchell or or you know a, 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 you look at Raheem Booth who was kind of injured off and on this season. But outside of that, it wasn't like things really fell apart in that regard. So. Yeah, I mean, the last two games of the season were have to be disappointing for Southern Miss fans. I mean, they, they were just uh, not good games. They, they they were handled. They just they didn't just get beat. I mean, they were pretty well dominated in both of those games. Now, if you catch another bounce or two against West Kentucky, you're in it. Uh, but the line of scrimmage, West Kentucky really dominated that. So uh, right. it was surprising. Uh, I, I just, you know, yeah, if I'm a Southern Miss fan, I'm not happy with the way the team's played the last two weeks. And the pressure will be on Jay Hobson a lot going into next year because as long as they get everybody back and, and uh, for the most part and everybody's healthy, uh, that team's going to be a, a favorite to win the conference, I would say, by a, a good stretch. I mean, I, I don't know who else you really point to there. Uh, maybe FAU's going to be really good again. Uh, UAB, I would expect to be you know solid. Uh, but I think Southern Miss is probably going to be the preseason favorite next year. And if they end up with another, you know, six or seven win season, I think people are really going to be kind of concerned about where things are going. And you know, back in July, Bob, we talked about. I, I thought that next year was the key year. Right. Well, I think you make a great point, though, Patrick, about the last two games. Is not so much that Southern Miss lost, although that was obviously a problem. They were manhandled on the line of scrimmage. They were just, to put it in old-fashioned terms, Patrick, they just got whipped the last two games. Yeah, I mean the defensive lines for both uh, West Kentucky and FAU handled it handled well, and you know the defensive line, the defense, you know, the, the pressure was all on the defense the last two weeks, but just because the offense couldn't consistently move the ball, they didn't run the ball very well. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think the problem is with the offense, and it, you know, an offensive line that had been okay for much of the year uh, suddenly just didn't play well. I, I think schematically the offense was pretty good all year. And game plans were pretty good. Uh, there were just times they didn't execute as well. And I thought at FAU, it was a, it was really came down to the offense's problem is that Jack Abraham played really poorly. Uh, so uh, going yeah. in, it's it's 
challenging that personnel and figuring out how to make them better because it's going to be all the same guys next season. Patrick, um, so kind of bring this full circle. When we look at bowl games, what this team needs right now is a win. So yeah. what is is Birmingham and Tulane the most winnable game for the Eagles? <laughs> or is there another potential that you've seen that we can go into the all we can get to eight wins and feel really good about? I mean, is is that Birmingham bowl with Tulane, is that a winnable game? Tulane was really hot early in the year. What's the best bowl matchup winnability wise for the Eagles? Uh, well, I think probably the most winnable game would be the one that's in Dallas, the first responder bowl, because you're probably going to be playing a team out of the MAC, I think, and uh, probably not one of the best MAC teams. So that's probably your best shot. Uh, I would think the New Mexico Bowl is a tough one because that's a long trip, and you would probably play in the decent uh, Mountain West team. So I, I think, yeah, the most winnable game would be the first responder bowl, but that's one that I just don't think anybody would attend in Dallas. Uh, that's not going to be an attractive matchup. It's not going to bring Southern Miss fans out. It probably won't bring out many uh, MAC fans. So, and they thankfully they moved that game to SMU Stadium, so they're not playing in <laughs> yeah. a one hundred thousand seat yeah, stadium that's a, anymore. I was just thinking, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Patrick, yeah. You're talking about you guys. Go ahead. You were talking about FAU though. You guys next year. I think we all kind of think that FAU is going to have a coaching change, right? I mean, Lane Kiffin's probably going to be one of the top guys to be. Saw it in the off season. So yeah, where do you want to finish? You want to finish fifth in the SEC West, Lane, or you want to finish seventh? Which one do you want to? You know, right? I uh, I, I heard Lane Kiffin uh, that Ole Miss is looking at him. Patrick, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, well, I've seen I've seen the same thing everybody else has. Uh, Lane Kiffin's out there. I would I would expect he's got a really good shot of getting a job this time around. To me, this is his opportunity to go. He's been there three years. Uh, last year was a rough one. Now he's back in in a position to win the conference. Uh, so I, I think Lane Kiffin probably goes yes. Uh, I think they have a chance to make a good hire behind him, though, because there's talent there, and it's become an attractive job because they're willing to pay, and it's in a good location in Boca Raton. So uh, I, would, I would expect FAU not to lose a whole lot. I think they'll make a good hire behind Kiffin. All right, buddy, we always appreciate your time and your input, and if you do decide to come down here and go ice skating, please let us know because we're coming down to watch. No, no it's not happening. But goodbye. Have a good week. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. We'll be back uh, in downtown Columbia right after this. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back in downtown Columbia, Mississippi. Eagle Hour on the road today. Eagle Hour on the road tomorrow. Bob, perfect 10. First First Bank, Bank. Highway 98 West. Santa Claus is going to be there. Beautiful building if you haven't seen it. I think a spectacular new bank they're opening. We're glad to be part of that. Is Kelly Kelly Santa Claus tomorrow? Is that how it works? 
No, I don't think. I think Kelly's actually coming with us. He heard, he heard they were having free candy and what do, stuff. What do you mean? Is is anybody else? Santa Claus is himself. Okay, that's exactly right. Gotcha. You know, two uh, two awards for two Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, senior running back to Michael Harris being named to Conference USA All Academic Team. It's always cool to hear these guys see him on the field. Three six four. E- um, not ERA, GPA right. for DeMichael Harris. Jack Abraham also 3-9-1 for the starting quarterback um, for the Golden Eagles. So congratulations to those two guys. Big events on campus. We should mention it today because it starts in the morning at 11. Uh, the Mississippi State High School Football State Championships uh, tomorrow, 3A, 1A, 6A. Um, tomorrow, Oak Grove Warriors playing tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Saturday, 4A, 2A, 5A. Uh, Taylorsville playing uh, at Saturday. So on southernmiss.com, there is, a, uh, of course, the parking map. The clear bag policy will apply to this, so if you're going to watch some high school football. But pretty cool again, guys. The Rock gets to host the, the state championship. All right, before we run out of time, one of the one of the best things about working for Telesouth is you get to work with Gary. And there ain't no question. I mean that sincerely. Who? No, that's Gary There you Gary. go. That was the real name. And he's with us here now, as he is any time we go on the road. And, Gary, I know that uh, you've been mulling around the community. And one of the things we've talked about for the last two days regarding the Christmas festival here is there is literally an ice skating rink here in the middle of town. Now, you were over there. Let our listeners know about the ice skate. How, does, how do you have that in South Mississippi? Well, they have uh, they have basically as uh, ice-cold glyph- uh, glyphosate uh, pipes that run under the floor, and they put down mats, and then they put this piping down and hook it into this big machine, and it pumps refrigerated cold uh cool it through it and they put a, they, they have to build the ice up in layers so they they put ice they put water out there and let it freeze once it's froze then they put the second layer of water and it freezes up they have to build up they can't just put three inches of water out there and make three mm-hmm. inches of ice right but they have they actually have two skating rings over here they've got one small one that looks like maybe for the kids and then they've got a big one that looks like a hockey rink size it's got the big wall like you'd see at a hockey rink but without the glass mm-hmm plates up on the side and it's uh it's a lot bigger so it's probably gonna be for the adults or that way you keep the kids from under the adults feet are they starting to make the ice now one of the rinks have uh have they put water in it this morning and it was about half slush up when i went over and took some pictures the other one they hadn't started putting water on it yet but they're going to start are you the uh, zamboni driver yeah they got to have somebody with a zamboni to, to <laughs> flush the ice every day and we know how it got that name right how that machine got that uh, name. here here's your random sports yeah, fact here, here it is again. he's had all show to think of it Go. let's let's hear more useless trivia from kelly Santa. the person who designed the machine his last name was zamboni so they just said did something happen to you at birth? I mean, was there some kind that they put forceps on your head or something when they were trying to get you out? No, my mom was seriously addicted to crack. <laughs> it was those hog eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We were. We, we should mention Gary brings up a good point. We were going to go to commercial, right. like munching on some of these. JT left us some of these. From up. Ball Farms. Right. Cinnamon roll pigskins. Who ate them all, Luke? Well, you – what? Kelly Kelly came in and got the save. I was the starting pitcher, but I went out in about <laughs> the, the first inning. Reliever. You were the middle reliever for about six innings, Bob. <laughs> and I normally only relieve for one inning, but I was in there for probably five. And I noticed Gary came and got the other bag and put them in his truck, right? Yeah. Self-preservation bag. That's, that's why Gary weighs about 160, and I don't. Right. Yeah. I'm a little more than So, Gary, you've been down here since last night. It's amazing how much work is going on oh, to get ready look, for they're going to have, once they get it lit up, 
if you notice the snowflakes on the side of the buildings and on that cut through where the skate rings are, both buildings on either side have these lighted icicles. I mean, it's a snowflake. Mm-hmm. And they're all on these two buildings beside the street where the ice skate ring is. And all that will be lit up. And, of course, they've got the wreaths on the... I mean, just basically, they're going to light the whole town up. And they've got right. the big Christmas tree in front of the skate And synchronize ring. it with Christmas music. Right. And it makes it, the lights look like they're dancing. Now, now when you talk right. about Snowflake, are you talking about a designer? or you are talking about all millennials? I, I, the design <laughs> of, okay. of the Snowflake. <laughs> but actually, these are all the same Snowflakes. They say no two Snowflakes are the same. That's not true. All of these are the same. They <laughs> they're just exactly light up. the same, aren't they? And yeah. there's, a, there's a reindeer on one of the building, buildings there. A reindeer head, a white reindeer head. Yeah. No, that's somebody killed it. Somebody killed that's that a, at their farm. Yeah, it's a hunter, yeah. That's uh, so bones is what they're saying. <laughs> just white, washed out bones. Huh? Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, we appreciate it, man. And uh, we always me. appreciate you getting us set up, you in Houston, and taking us around and making this possible for us. Y'all have a good day. All right. We're at First Bank on Highway 98 West tomorrow. Rebecca Turner is next from downtown Columbia. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Mississippi Media Production.